This is the Baywall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, I'm with Reed Dent and L. Grover Fricks to pontificate on the practice <laughs> of prayer. What? What? <laughs> that is not what we decided on. Did we decide? We, we absolutely didn't decide. I think we decided that that was preposterous, but wow. I decided to do it anyway. Pontificate. I decided to proceed anyway. Well, I think the only thing for Reed and I to say then is, guess you should just pray. Yeah, pray and for me. And then we'll, we'll hang up. I just want to say, Brent went rogue on that introduction. That was That is not the word that I or L uh, would have authorized. That's so right. that was all Brent. I don't remember any authorization of anything. I just remember the 20 minutes that we wasted talking about movies just now. Wasted? Wasted? <laughs> what I'm hearing is you don't believe in community, Brent. I do, actually. Or art. I just believe in community after the recording. Okay. So, here we are. <laughs> Very clearly in a session seven, <clears throat> a different vibe indeed. One might say a combative vibe. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's uh, senioritis for session seven. This is the last regular episode of session seven. And I guess we're all getting a little antsy. Maybe, but we're having fun along the way. So we're talking about prayer. I'm going to do a little biblical intro to prayer. And then Reed is going to talk about his regular prayer practices or favorite prayer practices or maybe just interesting ones. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't do any of them. He's just an imposter. Um, and then I have three that I'm going to do. Does that sound good? Sounds amazing. Let's do it. Excellent. Okay. So in English, the word prayer comes from Latin precare, which means to earnestly beg or entreat. And sometimes I think we carry that um, association with us when we think about prayer that like, oh, that's asking for something, right? Um, but in the text, we see um, kind of three different words in the Hebrew Bible around prayer. Um, and then our Greek has its own thing going on, of course. But uh, the first kind of prayer doesn't even have a name, right? It's just God and people talking. And that's not usually labeled prayer. It's just like God shows up and talks to Moshe and says, hey, I need you to do this thing, or I'd like you to do this thing. And Moshe says, who, me? I could never. What makes you think I'm qualified? And God responds, right? Um, we would think of that today as prayer, but it's not called anything in the text. It's just called, they spoke to one another. Just talking? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a totally valid way to think about prayer. Um and, you know, can be just a healthy approach rather than um, always going with something more ritualized or formalized like a few of the practices we're going to talk about today. But the main word when it does say prayer in the text, all the way from Torah, all the way to the end of the Ketuvim, the writings, um, is the word palel. Palel um, uh, is super interesting because it is a word in Arabic that refers to a kind of sword, which makes me very excited. Uh, and it's specifically the kind of sword or dagger, a blade that has a notched edge on it. Um, and this notched edge blade, the point of that is that uh, you can look them up, you know, maybe... Brent can find some, put them in the show notes. I can find some, send to Brent to put in the foot uh, show notes. Just being honest about the process there. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, I do think I need this because I am not quite sure what you're talking about so far. So a picture would be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the point of these swords uh, is that with that notched edge, later in time, they become like a giant serration. Um but previously to that, like sometimes Arabic blades have it at the end of the sword. There's really famous sword um, that's like that. But the point of that is that you can catch the sword in the notch when somebody is attacking you and snap it in half or at least disarm them, depending on the strength of their blade. Right. Um, so somebody comes in and you catch it with the sword. Um, and I think that's a really helpful thing to know about the Bible's conception of prayer, because sometimes when we're talking about like, well, what is the point of prayer? And um, isn't God sovereign? And well, prayer is about changing me, not about like, you know, changing something in the world or changing God's mind. Um, certainly prayer changes us, and that's great. But in the biblical conception of prayer, it's when something is coming, uh, something is happening, and you intercede and catch it with your sword and turn it away or disarm it or even break that blade, um, which is much more active than we might imagine the just kind of meditative, chill energy that sometimes we associate with prayer. And we see it show up uh, in that way all throughout Tanakh, right? We don't have a lot of prayers recorded where people are like, if it be your will, you know, you know better than us, God, and whatever you would like, um, which can come from a heart of humility and a heart of surrender and all that can be beautiful and helpful. But in the text, we see um, like Avraham Palel, Hit Palel, um, for Avimelech's household, which has been stricken with infertility, and God tells him, or he tells Avimelech, actually, to ask him to break off that infertility, right? And so he prays for the whole household of Avimelech, and um, they are able to have kids. Um, same thing throughout the text, right? Moshe prays in Numbers 21 about the snakes. <laughs> it says that he palal, and the snakes stop uh, attacking God's people, right? Um First Samuel, pretty much almost every time you see the word prayer in Hebrew, it is this word palel. The only time it's not is the word atar. And um, atar seems to be a kind of intercessory word as well, but it includes the burning of incense. Word for incense is keter, keter atar. You can hear the similarity there. Um, but like Pero in the Exodus story um, continually tells Moshe to intercede is usually the way it's translated. But he tells him to atar burn incense on my behalf to make this plague end. Um, I always like to make that observation because often Protestants are pretty dang allergic to like any material components. Right? <laughs> like prayer closet is the only thing that Jesus said is OK and everything else is Catholic. Right. Any um, incense or prayer beads or, you know, icon, painting, um, kneeling, having an all, all of those things feel pretty sketchy um, to many of us. Um, but that hasn't been really the case in historical Christianity, and it's not necessarily the case in the word. So uh, I like to highlight that. It also reminds me what you're saying, this idea of like the what you were saying about how we don't get a lot of examples of all of this sort of like 
hedging and like, well, if it be your will and the more just like the chutzpah of this is, you know, like do this. Right. Uh, or it, it reminds me, I don't know if the word palel is coming up a lot in the Psalms, but just that manner of engagement from the psalmist to God, right. uh, where it's just, here it is, unfiltered. This is like what is on the heart and mind. This is what I want. This is what I need you to do. Right. Um, it also, you it, you also reminded me of um, the, in Revelation, there's a picture of the, the prayers of the saints mm-hmm. as incense rising. Right. And then like the angel takes it and throws it back down to earth. And that was, I remember for me, a very challenging, because as one who kind of more naturally uh, just gravitates towards the meditative kind of Mm -hmm. stuff or the like, you know, uh, it's this idea that prayer does change something besides me. Right. That if if there is something that we want and ask for, uh, like, leave it to God, you know, what God is going to do. Right. But... That it can be this thing that, yeah, it goes up and then maybe an angel takes it and just smokes it back down. And now the earth is quaking and things are getting set on fire. Right. Um, That's yeah, that's a challenge to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like in the story, God wants engagement from us. Right. He says, hey, by the way, just letting you know, Abraham, I'm going to destroy, you know, Sodom and Amorah. And so often we're like Noah and we're like, yeah, okay. I'll build my ark. And like the rabbinic teaching on Noah is not that he's really a stand up guy, right? Because he doesn't go toe to toe with God and he doesn't say, hey, (laughs) tell me about your character, because from what I know of you, this isn't in line with you. Um, And so I think it's much more comfortable to abdicate that responsibility, right? Of course, there is a stretch that happens when we're surrendering and saying your will be done and just focusing on that. It's not that that is like a worthless practice. Um, It's a good practice. But also, how often is God doing something like in his dealings with Abraham, where he's waiting for us to engage in the situation and say, hold on, Yeah, and I don't think it's I don't think it has to be an either or where it's either God is changing me or I am bringing about some kind of change in the world. I can imagine like when Abraham is interceding and saying, well, what about this many and what about this many? Like, it's not hard for me to imagine that while God is there and uh, kind of bargaining, negotiating. And yes, we're like changing things in the world that Abraham is also having like more compassion grown in his heart for the people as he intercedes for them. Like right. it's a, it's a both and in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hundred percent. Uh, yeah. And that also kind of addresses the issue of, um, you know, some people, the, the joke that people say sometimes ironically, um, people being me, uh, is the like thoughts and prayers. And we kind of mean it facetiously because it's, you know, not always a great thing in our culture when instead of doing something, we just say thoughts and prayers, right? Um, But in a prayer, right, you do everything with your hands that you're capable of doing. And then when you can't do something about it, right, like in this uh, infertility, for for instance, with Hannah, right, she prays them and Eli is rude. Um that is something that she doesn't have control over. And so it's a way of stepping in and saying, I have, you know, the Holy Spirit. And therefore, according to Jesus, who said he was going to clothe us in power and authority through the giving of the Spirit, I'm going to step into this and say, hey, 
uh, I want to bring this sword to the side, right? That's the, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the idea. Um, and I think that's also reflected in the way we see Jesus pray. Like we don't have a lot of Jesus's prayers recorded and the ones that we do have recorded. It's kind of like, well, how much of this is Jesus praying and how much is it him teaching his disciples how to pray, right? Like John 17 is very much uh, you know, also a lesson for the disciples as well as a prayer, for instance. But we see lots of times where he says, you know, Lazarus, come out. Um, you can think of that as a prayer or not, but it's very direct. It's a statement. It doesn't have this really long paragraph around it that you sometimes see in like, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah type era. Um, but he tells us, ask and you'll receive. And it's way more comfortable for us theologically to not grapple with that. Um, and, you know, think about, okay, if that is true, if I believe that, how should that change my prayer life, right? It's way easier to like pivot to talking about the prosperity gospel and being like, well, it doesn't mean this than thinking about what it does mean. Yeah. The challenge is that, you know, the ask and receive, I think yeah, a lot of us, maybe that was overly systematized and it became this if then kind of thing. And at least in my upbringing, it was like, and if you have enough faith, then it will be. And it was like, there's, I don't know, like quantified or there's like a a beaker that has a a certain amount of volume of faith in it. And if you get your faith high enough, then the thing. And so then if it doesn't come to pass, it must be because we take this asking you will receive as this absolute kind of thing. Well, if it doesn't come to pass, then you didn't have enough faith and you need to work on getting more faith, whatever that means, filling up that beaker and then try again. Right. Which isn't, by the way, what is laid out for us by Jesus in the unjust judge parable, right? (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you just keep coming back and you keep coming back and he doesn't say the first couple times the judge, Mm -hmm. you know, was listening to the woman and she wasn't really doing really well. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say that. It just says, keep coming back. Um, so yeah, overcomplicating that, certainly using it as a cudgel to harm other people is not, uh, not the goal, not the vibe, not what we want to do. But with all that in mind, that doesn't mean we want to throw out that verse because it makes us uncomfortable or it makes us question some things. Um, right. We want to take the text as it is, um, and, uh, find, find what good there is in it when some even if it's been used so poorly in many of our lives. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have a presentation for this episode. I honestly don't even know how we got away with it last episode, not having one, but between the sword and the Hebrew words and uh, who knows what else may come. I think we're going to have a presentation for this. So I love a good sword presentation. Yeah. I I still don't understand what you're talking about because I found a lot of different stuff and it seemed like the stuff that I'm kind of picturing in my yeah. mind from what you said yeah. is like much more recent sword right. stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll find something. You'll see what Elle is talking about. Indeed. We can all be illuminated together. That's right. Yeah. I have a pretty significant background in fencing if you didn't know. So that's kind not of my area that. of expertise. Yes. Very formational time. All right, Reed. What do you got? Do you, we're going to talk about some prayer practices. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, I and some of these I kind of flew over in uh, my earlier episode, um, and so we'll just talk a little bit more um, to give an idea of maybe what those things look like. Um, one thing that I enjoy doing, and I uh, I enjoy doing this with 
with people or just myself. I actually did it with the Bayma crew when we had our retreat in Indianapolis. Man, that was an awesome time. It Let was. me just set the stage a little bit. I want to talk. So we did a prayer labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, and a prayer labyrinth is uh, something that is active. It's engaged. You are uh, moving yourself through a labyrinth by doing these kind of like winding, this winding path that snakes its way back and forth toward the center of a circle. Uh, and then you wind back out after you have gone to the center. And you can think about this representing um, a few different things. One of the ways that I like to think about it is our journey um Inward toward God so that we then can journey back outward to whatever the work is that God has for us to do in the world. And while we're journeying, um, we can be contemplating any number of different things. Uh, And so this one particular day that we did it with the Bema crew, um, it was particularly tasty because the weather was just kind of wild. Um, it was sort of threatening rain and then it was kind of sprinkling and then it, like a number of us were, were kind of slowly progressing toward the center. I'm walking around the outside, kind of shout reading at everybody. We're, it was we're right by a fairly big road. Yep. Well, yeah. but that was still behind some trees. Yeah, I wasn't no, it like wasn't thinking about loud. the traffic. I was thinking yeah. about getting coated in rain while Reed yeah, like for sure. yelled revelation. At the crew. Yeah. So I'm I I'm I'm reading um a passage from Teilhard de Chardin, uh a, a prayer about the slow work of God and us as we're walking very slowly. And I was particularly in love with Josh here because he moved so slowly. Yeah. And usually I like to challenge people like walk slower than you need than you think you need to walk. Um, and most people just kind of hurry through it. And so if it's making me think, wow, that this might be a little bit too slow, <laughs> then you know it's extremely slow. But I loved it. I loved it. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm reading this prayer and you're walking in and you're thinking about the slow work of God in your life. Uh, and then we get to the center. And for us, uh, I like to do uh, communion at the at the center. Mm. And I'm reading... Uh, the revelation passage about the slain lamb and the rain is like filling up the communion. And the rain cups. is, yeah. And, so and it's like, and you just got to make yourself be there, you know, and you feel like some of the discomfort as you're getting like wet and kind of cold. Um, but like as a, as a test of just kind of trying to devote your attention to this, uh, <laughs> admittedly very slow work of God. Um, It's good for us, you know, to have to slow down like that. Yeah. Um, And so we work our way in. And then on the way out, I'm reading um, uh, like Romans 8 is a favorite passage of mine to read. um, That is uh, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ uh, or the love of God in Christ. And then passages too about like being ambassadors um, as we think about the work that we're going out to do. So what I'm hearing you tell our listeners is that they just need to hang out with you more. <laughs> yes. get Come with me and we'll do a labyrinth uh, experience. Um, I particularly love the labyrinth in my town. Um, it's not nearly as like the stone is not as beautiful as the mm-hmm. one that we were at in Indianapolis, but it sits on a hilltop that overlooks an area where there's a graveyard sitting right next to a hospital. 
um, and for the um, I for contemplating life and death and new life, uh, it's a it's a very beautiful spot to be. Did I ever show you the um, the my I recorded a walking workout Mm-mm. on my way out of the labyrinth? Oh, yeah, it's like one of those heat maps of where you walked. The heat the heat map part of it is supposed to be speed. The circles were so tight that it it's not really like a great representation of what happened. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it was pretty cool. And because we have a presentation, I'm going to include some photos of this thing. So people can see what we're talking about. You can probably like figure out based on where all the stops are, where Joshua is, our our Yoda of our (laughs) team. I very intentionally walked first when on the exit, because I wanted to, (laughs) because I knew it would have a hard time recording it already and because so i wanted Brent to not wasn't to comfortable making space for the work of the spirit that's is right. what i'm hearing that's you right say. i was very uncomfortable it's great here's here's a really good one though that anybody can do if you have a prayer labyrinth around you and you can google um like prayer labyrinths and wherever you live and you can draw one in the dirt you can draw one in the dirt but sometimes like uh churches will have them or universities even have them on their um campuses um sometimes so you can you can try to find one close to you uh, I love um, just the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's very rhythmic. It's very simple. You can memorize it. It communicates a lot of very deeply true and good things about us and God and Jesus. Uh, and so as you walk, um, and again, to to like drive this home in a bodily sense. Uh, one thing that we do at CCF is you kind of just pound uh, your chest gently, like you thump your chest with your fist uh, as you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, which is uh, coming from, um, it's it's a uh, adaptation of the parable that Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector who go up to the temple to pray. Right. Um, so yeah, they it, do that. Um, it's just a way to get you moving and get your body connected with the idea of your life's journey toward God uh, and out from God into the world. So prayer labyrinths, uh, I love, um, another prayer practice that I like to do pe- with people. And I, I mentioned this before, I'll go into a little bit more detail about it now is, uh, something that I got from Henry Nowen. Um, and we linked that in the last show that we did, I think the, um, spiritual direction book, uh, and it's just the, the prayer of the beloved. And it's a very simple thing that you can also, you don't need me or somebody to guide you through it. It's, uh, easy to remember. It's in three parts. The first part is, uh, Jesus, you are the beloved. That's what you're, it's like a, it's almost like a mantra that you're repeating, um, at your own pace, you might say it quickly, you might say it slowly. Uh, and I would say take five minutes for each section. So this will take 15 minutes of your day. Um, and what I like to do, uh, so the first part is Jesus, you are the beloved. The second part is Jesus. I am the beloved. And the last part is Jesus. We all are the beloved. Um, and just what's going through my mind when I'm doing this, um, Jesus, you are the beloved is I'm imagining scenes from the gospels, stories about Jesus, uh, doing things or saying things or going places. And I'm just kind of letting my mind bounce from one to the next. I'm not trying to recall any particular one. I'm just trying to stay in that kind of gospel zone. And when I, when I 
have a picture of Jesus in whatever scene or setting it is, once that kind of crystallizes for me, I say, Jesus, you are the beloved, and then let my mind go to a different one. And so maybe I'm starting with uh, the baptism, and then I'm going to like the wedding, or I'm going to Jesus teaching on um, the the hillside, the Sermon on the Mount, or whatever. Jesus, you are the beloved. Jesus, you are the beloved. Then the next part, what's going through my head, um, usually this is the hard one for me. Jesus, I am the beloved. Um, I think a lot of us have a lot of theological baggage that wants to make sure that you understand something else about yourself more fundamentally than that you are the beloved. Like, you are a sinful piece of garbage. And so... Have mercy on me, a sinner. <laughs> right? And so, But there's this, there's this part of me when I, when I do this prayer that wants to be like, yeah, 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 but all of these other, like, ideas, theological ideas, or just my own experience of myself that is, well, you're also, uh, you know, you're insecure, you're a coward, you're a fraud, you're a whatever, all of these different things that some of us think. And so I try to not... Um, like not think those things, but just when various, like if accusations is what I'll call them, like come to mind, then I just, that's when I say, Jesus, I am the beloved. And sometimes I'm kind of willing myself to believe that. Um, and yeah, there's the tension of Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then the Jesus, I am the beloved. And like prayer is a way that we can learn to hold those two things together. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's also worth noting if somebody's out there and you are a person who has a lot of reticence to that part of the prayer. That's an interesting mm -hmm. thing to observe, you know, non-judgmentally sure. yeah. being like, wow, I it's a struggle for me to hear myself say I am loved by God. Hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of one of the main messages of the Gospels <laughs> that no matter <laughs> What yeah. we've done or where we've been or the things that we just did, yet we are still loved by God. And so I um, affirm that that is a good practice, especially perhaps if it's a stretch for some of us to meditate on. Yeah. And then the last section is Jesus, we all are the beloved. And so like if if I am the beloved uh, for everything I know about my own self, then certainly this must be true of everyone else as well. Um, and usually what's going through my mind with this part, as I'm just saying kind of slowly over and over, Jesus, we all are the beloved. Uh, I picture a revolving door, like in a hotel lobby. Um, and it's kind of turning and then somebody comes through that door and it, I, I don't know who it's going to be. Um, and sometimes it's somebody that I talked to like yesterday. And then sometimes I have these weird experiences uh, where somebody pops into my head that I haven't seen or thought about for for years. Uh, maybe it was a student that was on our ministry a long time ago or somebody I went to high school with forever ago or whatever the thing. Um, but just, yeah, when they come through that door and I see them in my imagination, I say, Jesus, we all are the beloved. And this is where um, it, it comes into contact with the actions that I do. And so sometimes if somebody comes to mind, um, maybe from a few years ago, let's say, I want to do something with that. Maybe there's a reason why that person is being called to mind as the beloved of God. And so maybe I'll reach out to them if I haven't talked to them in a while. And I'll just say, hey, you know, you crossed my mind or I was praying for you, depending on how I think they might hear that. And, uh, you know, then we reconnect and maybe there's, and it's not always like this kind of like uh, goosebumps, like, 
holy cow, I needed to hear from somebody right now. And so isn't that like magical and amazing? Like, it's not always like that. Um, but, but sometimes it is. But sometimes it is like that. That's true. Um, and people say, wow, that's the craziest thing. Like, this is what's going on. And I haven't told anybody or about that. But it's really good to be like uh, comforted and encouraged or whatever the thing is. Um, so this is a contemplative kind of prayer practice, the prayer of the beloved, that then can become like a, a ground for action, like to spring from. And so, again, that's Jesus, you are the beloved. Jesus, I am the beloved. Jesus, we all are the beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you can you can do that alone or you can do it with people, with somebody kind of leading you through the different stages. Yeah. Richard Foster has a prayer, which I referenced in the last uh, episode as well, because... He's great. He's got so many good books. Um, but he has a whole book on prayer, which has like 20 different kinds of prayer in it. I think it's maybe 25, um, which can just be a really fun um, exercise, you know, trying out a different one every week or every day um, in a month, have a month of prayer. Anyway, totally re- recommend. But he references cloak prayers where you just imagine as you're going along, or sometimes I'll do it while I'm driving, um, of just throwing the love of God over people's shoulders as they walk by you, of just being like, you are divine creation of the Most High. You know, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. And imagining that visually setting settling over people. Um, is a really good practice, right? If we're thinking about what does that do for me only, <laughs> you know, especially if I'm driving, how how easy is it to fall into like the worst version of ourselves when we're driving? Um, oh yeah, somebody cuts you off, and you know you're like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I've always thought that that was fascinating. That like we can be totally centered, calm people. And then all of a sudden we get in the car and our safety feels like it's at risk. So all of a sudden <laughs> you can say or do whatever. It's like, whoa, wow, this is interesting. They have to know what they've done. <laughs> I remember David David Foster Wallace in his This Is Water um, essay slash speech. He talks about this very thing. And he's like, maybe you're the one in somebody else's way. Like maybe they're trying to get somewhere urgently. Oh, like yeah. They need to get to the hospital or something like right? that. And you're the one who in their way but because we tend to be extremely self-centered right we just are like the only perspective that we have to see the world through is our own it is literally it's our own eyes looking at everything all the time we are the center of existence every person their own experience is they're the center and so prayer practices like these are a tool to get me out of being the center and yeah, yeah 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 i use that all the time talking to folks in um my ministry of that like habit, that posture of, oh man, maybe their wife's having a baby and they're trying to get to the hospital, right? And people almost always roll their eyes, but it's like, you know what? I would way rather like be inaccurate uh, than be angry. Yeah. Like I, you know, why? What does that cost me? Yeah. Nothing. It costs me nothing to decide to have a charitable uh, assumption of someone. You're prayerfully giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. And the rabbis say, if you do not give someone the benefit of the doubt, you have sinned. So, you know, it's always yeah, definitely helpful to have a little condemnation on your shoulder. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I digress. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, um, another... 
<laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. <laughs> yeah, but mostly read, you know. <laughs> mostly okay. me. Go ahead. I uh, have a few, I guess, a few others or one other I could talk about. Um, I was just this morning, like, doing a prayer of the hours with some people at CCF, uh, which if you're not familiar with the prayers of the hours, they're just prayers at certain times of the day um, that are like root. They are plotted um, consistently apart or at consistent times of the day. Uh, And if that sounds weird or Catholic, I will just ask you uh, to consider this. Um, Do you need uh, God's help to get through the day? Do you require the strength or do you possess the required strength uh, to carry out all that God might ask of you in a day? And I will go ahead and be the first to say, no, I do not. Uh, And so prayer uh, as a way of... um, Recentering myself in God, redevoting myself in God, uh, re-asking for God's help to make it through the day. I can get so much gas in the tank at once, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna run out. And so, prayers of the hours are here's a chance to stop and refill. Um, and so, any good um, prayer book will have like a morning prayer and a midday prayer and an evening prayer. Um, and the focus of those is um, a little different. Um, typically like the morning prayer is a prayer of petition, like asking for, um, strength and clarity and faithfulness to go about whatever God's work is, uh, for the day. Um, and then the midday prayer will be, uh, like returning, uh, to that, um, re-centering. And then the evening prayer is usually prayers of like confession that, uh, we get to, Realizing that each day, like there are things that uh, we have done and things that we have left undone um, that we ought to confess um, and then asking for protection like through the night, um, which uh, is really relevant for some people. Like some people have a very hard time making it through the night because they are beset by fear or anxiety or like, I don't, I don't know if you know this uh, or if you have this experience, but there's something about the nighttime hours, the late hours where anxieties and fears tend to be exaggerated and multiplied. Like if I, if I think of something in the daytime hours, um, I can think about that same thing at night and like during the day, it doesn't really bother me or worry me, but at night it kind of gets out of control. Um, so our our prayers of the evening or heading into the dark hours of the day uh, center also around asking for um, protection from those kinds of things. Um, so prayers of the hours, just routine throughout the day, stopping at those uh, various times. And it can be um, like we we tend to do it around meals. So breakfast and lunch and dinner. Um, but then there are also like actual specific times that people um, will follow of like six o'clock and nine o'clock and noon and three and six. Um, so anyway, um, there are various good ones. The ones I'm using right now are actually from Every Moment Holy, um, which has a morning, midday and, new- and evening. Um, so I would recommend Every Moment Holy for that. I think I texted you after I listened to your episode uh, yeah. to bless the space between us by John O'Donohue is also another good one that has regular prayers, which I have coming to me in the mail, uh, anytime now. So thank you for the recommendation. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks to your recommendation. I now, uh, read from scripture every morning to my two and a half year old who has not like 
I don't know. He hasn't developed the strategies yet that your sons have. <laughs> I'm trying to hide it. <laughs> but he does kind of just like stare at me while uh, I read, while he eats his cherries and milk. And he has like no idea what half of the words are because it's <laughs> like paralytic. <laughs> so, totally. Totally. Not even a children's Bible, but just doing it anyway. And, you know, yeah. stuff is sewing in there. Man. And as a as a practice of scripture and prayer, it's it's like hard to get used to, even for adults, like this idea of, okay, you're just we're just gonna read this and then we're not gonna we're not gonna like break it down and analyze it and dissect it. Right. Um, and I think there is a time and a place for that kind of reading, but the kind of reading that is just we are hearing the words of scripture and trying our best to pay attention to it. Right. And nothing else. I think that is very valuable and bears its own kind of fruit. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do sometimes as if I've been doing this for longer than a week and a half <laughs> in my long history of following your advice. Um, I'll just do like one summary sentence at the end of a pericope to be like, mm-hmm. wow, it sounds like Jesus really loved those people, huh? And he'll be like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mommy. <laughs> Cool. And then it's crazy what'll what'll stick, you know. So we've been doing it with our boys for quite a while. And you it sometimes it really just seems like nothing is happening. Uh right. you know, you're just eating your cereal and then we finish reading and then you get up and go get dressed and brush your teeth and get ready for school. Um and but then like they will recall things from months ago that was, oh yeah, it was like that story with Jesus and the the paralyzed guy or something like that. Right. And so it is, it is doing its work of like, you know, nesting down in the heart somewhere. Yeah, totally. I totally trust that and believe that. So thanks for sharing these. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. Do you want to, should we move on to some of your um, prayer practices? Sure. I mean, uh, so I also did my regular disciplines. I shared like most of the stuff, not all of it, but um, a couple more that I really enjoy. Um, and they might not be daily, like I talked about my daily disciplines um, in, the, in the last episode. But the first one uh, that I want to mention kind of reminds me of what you were talking about, of the checking back in that happens when you're uh, praying through the hours. But it's the prayer of examine um, from the Ignatian community. And if you're not familiar with the prayer of examine, it's the idea that at fixed points throughout the day, um, you stop and you examine. (laughs) Um, It's spelled different. Uh, (laughs) The name of the prayer. The name of the prayer is spelled E-X-A-M-E-N. So you stop. And you think about how did I conduct myself? Did I behave in the last hour in a manner worthy of the calling for which I've been called, right? Uh, and that can feel pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I, know? Don't, I don't know about that. Because then I might have to do something about that. <laughs> right. But it is a like you know, adrenaline shot in the leg toward maturity, right? Even if the only Mm -hmm. thing you cultivate is greater awareness and humility, that's a huge win uh, in my book of like, wow, I, you know, even if you weren't doing anything in the last hour, like, wow, I just spent an hour not really doing anything, Um, might not have like actively sinned or done something wrong, but that's also a great thing to be aware of. Um, But there's other ways of thinking about the examine, you know, um, in the space, if you have done something that's like, oh, 
I would have rather not have spoken to that person that way or thought that about this situation. Um, that's an opportunity, right? Like with the now in prayer to be to take with an open hand. I did sin. I did fall short of um, my calling of my true identity in Christ. And now I get to also receive the love of God in that moment. Right. And so it's a reminder throughout the day, not just like, oh, yeah, I'm loved by God. That's who I am, Um, which is a huge thing for many of us to even like rest in that space throughout the day, but also bringing to that our humanity, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Oh boy, I am in need of the love of God. And it's like a portal and access point to receive that love in a tangible way. So as you go through this process, unless you're someone who really struggles with negative self-talk, and then it might be even hard to receive that love. Um, But, you know, some exposure therapy, maybe. Um, it ends up being a scrutiny of lovedness, right? Wow, I totally should have been more present with my kids when they were trying to tell me about something and I was more focused on my phone or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a moment to receive the love of God that he says, that's not who I am uh, and that it is possible for me in him to do a better job next time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout the day. So that's a really tangible uh, practice. You can set alarms on your phone. Um, I would set it to a non-annoying alarm sound. <laughs> uh, George, wah, Chris, wah. Yeah, George praised the stuff. hours. Right? <laughs> George, uh, my husband, praised the hours. And um, it's on... Uh, multiple devices. And so I have to like wander through the house finding <laughs> this annoying alarm sound, uh, which makes it harder to pray. So put it in my opinion, uh, put it on something nice, bells, uh, a worship song. I don't care, you know, but uh, you can set alarms to help yourself stay consistent. Um, the hardest thing about that is remembering to actually do it rather than just like diving for your pocket or your phone or uh, to find where your alarm is. Does anybody buy custom ringtones anymore? <laughs> do you think buy this is them? the early I've 2000s? Never, I've never bought them, but I did make one uh, Was it sometime Ice Ice in the Baby? last couple of years. No, it's actually the song. <laughs> it's the live version of the song Bones by Hillsong United. And it starts with this beautiful little like guitar thing. And nice. Maggie loves the song and I love the song. And it's like one of the most calming sounds. So there's my ringtone for Maggie, which I don't hear very often because my phone's usually on silent, but right. You, know, you could, you could like, you know, pick a good song. It is a convoluted process to make your own ringtone. But if you want to go to the trouble of it, but like on- make something that's going to make something that's going to stir your soul to examine yourself. Right. Unless you really love it and you're afraid of it you know, generating hatred. In your heart. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, it's Could really backfire. easy to make alarms. You can connect it to Spotify really easily and pick something nice. Um, Okay, so that's the prayer of examine. Um, I wouldn't necessarily jump into it again if you're a person who has a lot of anxiety or a lot of negative self-talk or a lot of doubt. That might be kind of paralyzing, but you could do it um, kind of in the way that Reed's wife does about like, how have I seen God show up for me in the last hour, right? Instead of just day. Um, Where is God speaking to me? You can use the same structure, but ask different questions. Um, The Ignatian police will not come and tell you you're doing it wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> as far as I know. Uh, Have you ever had a run-in with the Ignatian police before? Yeah, actually, it was um, Andrew Garfield from Silence just showed up. So, <laughs> see, it's Ignatian. Okay. Great movie. Everybody go watch Silence. Um, it really is. We could probably talk about it for a half an hour. Uh, okay. Second prayer practice. I'm only going to talk about three um, that I find helpful is centering prayer. Um, sometimes it's called grounding prayer. Sometimes it's called contemplative prayer. If you read enough prayer books, you'll find that people have really similar practices, but they might name them different things. And in centering prayer or any of the other names for it, um, it has some overlap with meditation. But the idea is you get still and you get quiet and you focus on your breath. And with each in-breath, you pick something to repeat. That can be the sinner's prayer, but it can be shorter, right? I'm the beloved's and the beloved is mine. It can be, um, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack. Any of those type short things that you can fit in the space of an in-breath, out-breath. I abide in him and he abides in me. That gets kind of Star Wars uh, rogue, what what rogue one. You can feel like um, that guy, what's his name? With the long staff who like runs uh, into battle. um, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. Yes, you can totally use that. That That's totally stolen from, you know, excellent religious tradition. So steal away. Don't, you know, necessarily run into battle um, blind. But, you know, anyway, that's like my favorite part of that movie. I don't love that movie, but now we're really Ooh. generating. Sounds like we're just talking about movie. We need to start following L on Letterboxd as well. Oh, I'm no, don't do that. So, I like my anonymity. Wow, I can't say anonymity, <laughs> but I like it. The character's name is Churret. Churret. Okay, great. Uh, boy, I yeah. do love that movie, just for the record. Just, mm. you know, putting that out there. Well, a diversity of opinions is within this podcast. That's right. That's okay. That's right. It's not bad. Okay. Prayer. So you pick a line, any line you want, steal from Star Wars, steal from, um, you know, anywhere in scripture, steal your own little formula. Um, You'll probably be okay and not accidentally commit heresy. It'll probably be fine. Um, uh, And you think that or whisper that or whatever to yourself on your in-breath and your out-breath. And you can pick a number of times to do that for with your eyes closed as you just center into yourself. Um, uh, St. John of the Cross calls that like um, bringing the house to stillness. Um, He says it better than I am saying it now, but it's a quote like that and it's much better. Um, But the idea is it's hard to hear from God. It's hard to um, focus all of our being and all of our life on God when we are kind of jogging through stuff. Speaking of jogging, you can also do this while running if you're a person who you cannot handle just sitting there. Um, Maybe that's for a different stage of life or maturity um, to be able to have that stillness. But I used to be a long distance runner and I would just like pray or recite hymns the whole time I was running. It was great um, because there's a rhythm to it, kind of like with the prayer labyrinth. Um, But just the same thing over and over and over to try to fight against, um, you know, the monkey mind, the Buddhist community calls it when your mind's just like, and we have so many things to do and don't forget to do this later and go get the groceries and all of that. 
Um, it's a way to kind of try to drown out through calm repetition um, the endless, unceasing beat of the waves of the world upon our soul. Um, and you can also think of it uh, after you've kind of cleared that out and you're in more of a still, calm space, right? Be still and know that I am God. Um, from that center, then thinking about just spending time with God, not meditating on God with like, um, you know, a bunch of analysis or a, a list, you know, but just kind of like uh, you were saying, read about picturing him in different places. It's a kind of Lectio Divina um, practice a little bit there, imagining you're in the space. What does it smell like? What does he look like other than Jonathan Romy jokes? Um, what does, uh, what kind of sounds do I hear? Uh, you can do that kind of thing, um, which gets into imaginative prayer, which is the thing I want to talk about next. Or you can just imagine, um, Jesus or the Holy Spirit, whichever member of the Trinity, uh, sitting next to you and you're just spending time or picking one, um, passage from scripture to really, dwell within um, and getting centered in that way and still in that way um, is really good for us, I think. And letting everything else fall away and just being with God without trying to impress God with our like great prayers or whatever and without just trying to blast through by reading something really fast or like stating all of our needs and moving on. Just I'm here to be with you the way we would with a spouse or a grandparent, right? Spending time. Um, so that's centering prayer. Uh, and there's lots of great books uh, about that as well. There's lots of thoughts um, from Christian tradition around that practice. It's a very old practice. It's not um, some new age woo-woo wildness. Um, there's no crystals involved. <laughs> Jokes. Uh, this is, why is that a joke? Is that a joke? I mean, there's not. Really. If you can sit outside, there's rocks everywhere. So, um, sure, sure. I'm not against particular geological <laughs> formations, but the point is, uh, it's it's been around for a really long time. So you're not like a radical person for doing that. Um, the last one might feel more radical, but also has a long history within Christian tradition. So I'm calling it imaginative prayer, and I'm kind of dumping a whole bunch of different prayer practices into that um, header of imaginative prayer. And like we've been talking about, you can um, do Lectio Divina, which means sitting with a particular passage and imagining everything within it. But um, it's kind of an option after you've settled down, after you're um, thinking about just spending time with God and him being next to you. Um, it can be helpful. I'm a really visual person um, to think about going to an actual different space imaginatively or mentally. So in Jewish mysticism, it's called Merkava prayer. And there's a lot more steps if you read the um if you read their texts about how to do it, you know, sometimes people like fast first and put their head between their knees and a whole bunch of wild stuff to help. Um, but you don't have to. But the idea, the word Merkava has to do with chariots. And so like uh, the prophets who went up and saw the throne room of God, it was a method of prayer in which they imagined themselves themselves entering the throne room of God and spending time there and worshiping there and listening to what um, God had to say. 
Uh, but this is like all the Christian mystics as well. Um, you know, Catherine of Siena, there's, there's a huge list. Once you start reading, um, of people who allow themselves to imagine, um, visually, uh, different scenes and God being in that space. Um, and what, uh, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in that space. And that might sound super scary to some of us from, you know, backgrounds in which like every thought of your heart is actually evil. So if I sit here and imagine something, it's going to be wrong and bad. Uh, and I mean, a little bit of, you know, warning if all of a sudden you think, you know, when the world ends, maybe try a different, try a different spiritual practice than imaginative <laughs> prayer. But it can be really focusing because I know like if I use an icon or a painting of whatever and some people really enjoy that for a focus point, I, with the brain that the Lord gave me, will start thinking about like the art and the composition, right? And sometimes I can get something good and spiritual out of it, but a lot of times I'll be like, hmm. Look at that color palette this person went with. Interesting. Or this reflects, you know, more Russian iconography than Syrian. You know, that's what's happening in my brain, which is not helpful. So closing my eyes, thinking of a favorite space, you know, like uh, they tell you in the secular world, like your favorite beach or whatever, forest, cliffside, I don't care. Imagining being there focuses me um, on just spending time with the Lord in a way that if I'm talking the whole time, um, I'm just not like apprehending the face of Jesus in the same way that I am if I engage in imaginative prayer. Yeah, I feel like the the... As time has gone on for me, um, not speaking has become a, a bigger part of prayer. Mm -hmm. Not just not just rambling on like what you're saying, you know, not just like always having something to say, but instead like using silence, stillness, imagination uh, to to. I I mean, how else? Well, I guess there are other ways, but I, part of my thought is how else uh, do we know the presence of God than by imagining it in some way, shape or form, you know, like we, we don't see it like imagination is required, which means like stillness and not saying anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever I pray an actual pillar of fire and cloud appears in front of me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn from you. <laughs> oh boy. Can you teach us how to do that? Absolutely. <laughs> no problem. Uh, show up at, you know, 7 a.m. at my house. I don't know what's going on in the Midwest, Reed, but around here we've got pillars of fire all over the place. We don't really need any more of that. That's actually true. Yeah. Um, unfortunately is the case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm just walking around in fire all the time. It's a hundred billion degrees here. Okay. There is that really beautiful story. Hold on. I, I've got this. It's like both claimed by the early church fathers and by um, and by the rabbinic community. So if I'm going to guess who stole from who, I would guess that Christians stole from the rabbinic community. Elle's opening a book. What is this book, Elle? Put it in the show notes. Um, 
But the the story goes, a disciple once came to Av Yosef saying, Father, according as I am able, I kept my little rule, my little fast, and my little prayer. And according as I am able, I strive to cleanse my mind of all evil thoughts and my heart of all evil intents. Now what more should I do? And Av Yosef rose up and stretched out his hands towards heaven, and his fingers became like ten lamps of fire. He answered, why not be totally changed into fire? So yeah, that'll be our next episode. <laughs> mm. How to become totally changed into fire. No problem. Easy. Seems to be called prayer. Yeah, it's called prayer. Is this, who is that by? That's the Foster book that I was referencing oh, earlier. I tried to put it in the show notes already. So yeah, we'll definitely see, be in there now. so on top of it. Okay. Anyway, what are we doing? We're talking about prayer. Those were my three that I had prepped Reed had three or four lesson. We should probably pray more, right? That's that's the takeaway. Three or four. Try something three new. Three plus four is seven. Complete oh, three prayer practice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we're ready to be changed into fire. Amen. <laughs> Uh, okay. That's great. Well, we will have a presentation with a number of pictures. We will have a ton of links. Um, yes. you, you guys did not disappoint. I think that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Winning. I appreciate the collaboration. I, I repent that I <laughs> did not fully trust the process, but this has been a great conversation. Excellent. I don't, I don't think we're going to make it under 30 minutes. That's not okay. under 30, but this won't be the <laughs> longest episode of session seven. So it all works out. It does. It's a, it's a W in my book. <laughs> all right. Well, you can go to baymonestablishment.com to find all those show notes. Uh, be sure to check out the presentation. We've got um, groups that you can find on the website. We have events uh, probably very soon. If not, by the time you've heard this, Marty, well, actually, by the time you've heard this, Marty will be back from sabbatical. So we will be adding more events. We will be adding all kinds of stuff there. So, um, yeah, check it all out on the website. So thanks for joining us on the Baby Mom Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.